They say the pen is mightier, but in whose hands? So we'll pit two stories head to head and find out which one lands. All three sham writers haven't read a lot, so your sham host will find a famous plot. From books and films and TV shows, they'll make a pitch, then off you go to write what you don't know. Sham Fiction, the show where two writers cross pens in a duel to write what they don't know. Now, here's your host, Marcus Mann. Welcome, sham listeners, to Sham Fiction, and more importantly, welcome to the jungle, where we may or may not have fun and games. I'm your host, Marcus (laughs) Mann, as our delightful announcer earlier announced. And with me, as always, are our writing compatriots, Andrew, Neil, and Eric Carlson. You got it. Got them both. Uh, two gosh, two. You are... Th- these pauses, Marcus, uh, they build such anticipation for what Thank you're you. about to say. I just listened to William Shatner's podcasting tips. It was... <laughs> Truly delightful. Good. Yeah, the key is to like say what you say after the pause very quickly. Yes. <laughs> Just hit it. Like Punch. you got to catch up. It's like when your video is buffering and you don't hear someone for a second, then all of a sudden it does the super fast squirrel speed. Do you think that Shatner's just having buffering problems? I think, Do you think he's that's from the thing? future. Yeah, he's just buffering just through time and space. I love it. Well, gentlemen, we have an exciting little episode today. We are pitching Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. I believe I'm saying that right. The jungle. Oh, there's a zhuzh on there. Now, this is a sequel to the film Jumanji, which starred the late, great Robin Williams as Alan Parrish. And it's coming back after a long time, and a lot of people had their hands on this. So let me go through our credits real quick before we get into the meat of this exciting jungle setting. So this film, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, was directed by Jake Kasdan, who is the son of Lawrence Orleary Kasdan, known for his phenomenal work on The Empire Strikes Back and The Force Awakens. And also the big chill for you baby boomers out there. And also the Force Awakens. The screenplay... Jay Kasdan's also, let's let's maybe say something that he has done. He's the director of one of our collective favorites, Lock Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Oh, is that Jake? I didn't know that. Yeah, he directed that. Wow. That's fantastic. I think he also co-wrote the forthcoming Solo, a Star Wars story. Hey... With, with Always learning yeah. on this show. Always learning. All right. So he did not write this one. He did direct it. It's based on a story by Chris McKenna, which is based on the original Jumanji by Chris Van Allsburg. And the screenplay was written by Chris McKenna, Eric Summers, Scott Rosenberg, and Jeff Pinkner. Hey, that's one of the Fringe guys. That oh, is a yeah. large writer's room. It was a bunch it of people. It must have been... Must have Getting been this together. sweltering in that <laughs> oh. room. Like 
a jungle. There were actually yeah. originally eight writers, but four of them kept making that joke, and they did not make it to the end. <laughs> and neither will I. Spoiler alert for the end oh, of this episode. Boy. This is Eric's final episode. <laughs> Before I'm replaced by a buffering robot. Shander <laughs> comes on the show. Uh, so as we all know in Hollywood, the more writers you have on a screenplay, the better it is. That's usually <laughs> how it goes. Uh, <laughs> there are some notable exceptions, but this is actually a pretty fun movie. I, I, I had fun with this. It's a light affair. I didn't remember the original Jumanji very well. So How is that possible? You know, it was something I'd watched when I was a kid, maybe once or twice, but it wasn't one that I really grew up re-watching, so it wasn't a significant hmm. cornerstone of my development. Sure. I, I didn't realize that this is an actual sequel. I just thought it was rebooting something in a different way. It's more, I would say, more of a reboot than a sequel, um, but it technically is a sequel, right? It just okay. doesn't require any previous Jumanji knowledge. Jumanji knowledge. I was Nailed trying to it. create a portmanteau of what you just said, but uh, didn't quite, uh, percent quite work. <laughs> but, gentlemen, let us start our timer. Announcer, take it away, please. Pitch session. Eight minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, let's jam. All right, we are talking Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Takes place in the lovely Brantford, New Hampshire. What? And occasionally also the Jumanji Jungle. <laughs> okay. The, uh, the movie starts out in the past, the distant past, 1996. Oh, where, God, uh, don't say that. Where a father is 20-plus years ago. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, goodness. Where a father finds the old Jumanji board game sitting on the beach. I, you know, he's, he's going, and he finds it, and he, he brings it home, and he's like, Hey, kid. Hey, punk 90s kid of mine. Here is this Jumanji game, and you should play it, because this is a thing that kids do as they play board games. And his son, Alex Vreek, who's this teenage boy in the 90s, is like, Board games? Pshaw! I'd rather listen to my punk music and play the Vidya games. And then the Jumanji, <laughs> being a sentient evil box, turns into a Vidya game. And then Alex loads it up, oh. and lo and behold, he gets sucked in to the Vidya game. Oh, and no. now he's gone. And then we jump forward 20 years into the present time. Oh, that's great. Jumanji always asserting its relevance oh, man. on today's youth. It's like an Atari-style game. So he gets sucked into the game, we move forward 20 years, and we're meeting a bunch of new kids who are going to this high school in Brantford. <laughs> Brantford High School, as you can imagine. And mm. uh, they talk about old Vreek's house, old man Vreek's house, which is you know the place that we saw earlier, but now it's run down because the father... Is just devastated at the loss of his son who never came back. And so they Oh that's that's where the kids meet to do, you know, things and um Do kid things. Do kid things no, like shady know. stuff because no one wants to go over there. Yeah. So we're introduced to our four kids who I'll go through really quickly because they also have four avatars who are the more interesting part. Uh, this is where the movie spends a little bit too much time probably introducing the children. So you've got Spencer, who's this nerdy sort of gamer at the school. Uh, he is former friends with the high school jock, uh, Fridge, or Anthony Johnson. 
And so Spencer is now really not talking to Fridge other than to write his homework and do his homework for him. So Fridge doesn't get on academic suspension. Oh, no. Uh, He's got a crush on Martha, who's like another kind of nerdy girl who um, is, you know, just not given too much character, honestly, in the film. But she's, she's shy and reserved sort of person. And then you also have Bethany Walker, who's the ridiculous, pretty, mean girl. Uh, her introduction in the film is setting up to take a selfie where she pretends that she's sleeping. And it's, you know, getting the hair just right and half-egg blessed <laughs> and all these things. And it's, oh, nice. it's very funny. So what happens is these four kids, these unlikely companions, end up in the same detention together. So Spencer and Fridge obviously get caught for sharing the essays and going for that route of cheating on the homework. Uh, Bethany is video chatting during a test with one of her friends talking about how awful teenage girl life is, which is very funny. Oh, man. These these girls that always be texting and video chatting. Always. And then uh, Martha is refusing to do gym class activities because, come on, gym class. Uh, yeah. So they all end up in detention. And when they're in detention, they're supposed to be going through these old magazines and they find this stuff in this junk room at the school. And lo and behold, there's a Jumanji game there. A Vidya game. So what? we should play it. Four minutes remaining. Oh, wow. So Spencer hooks that up. They all get sucked in. And now they're in the jungle playing these different characters. So this is a really interesting part. Spencer ends up playing Dr. Smolder Bravestone, who's the, <laughs> played by The Rock. Uh, so he's the big, powerful guy. He's super charming, super hot. Uh, one of his superpowers is smoldering intensity. So at different times, he'll just smolder at people. He, oh, is it the rock eyebrow? Yeah, he, the... he doesn't have control over when he's smoldering, but all the girls are swooning. Uh, Fridge ends up playing this tiny zoologist, uh, Mouse Finbar. And uh, that's that's played by Kevin Hart. So he goes from being the big cool guy to being this uh, sort of weapons valet, which is really funny. And they all have weaknesses. So Mouse's weaknesses are cake, strength, and speed. What? And if you're exposed to your weakness, you you die. You explode and lose a life. Sure. Uh, Martha, who's Spencer's love interest, ends up playing Ruby Roundhouse, who is also awesome. She's got karate and dance fighting, <laughs> jujitsu. Uh, her only weakness is venom, which is really unfortunate when you're in a jungle. Uh, and yeah. she's she's played by Karen Gillan, and she's really in you know, a ridiculously skimpy jungle outfit. And so being shy, she's not used to being this beautiful woman. So imagine that as a coming-of-age story that's going to be part of the storyline. I just want to bounce back on you saying that her weakness is Venom. I think all of us, as human beings, have a weakness <laughs> we, to we Venom. We do have a lot of weakness to Venom, but that's what it is. Uh, then you have... Uh, you have Bethany, who's the best, because self-centered teenage girl ends up being Jack Black, <laughs> playing Professor <laughs> Shelley yes. Oberon, who's the cartographer and paleontologist. Uh, his his endurance is his weakness. Two minutes remaining. Uh, and then then they meet up, as you might be surprised by, with Alex Breek, who is the uh, teenage boy who was lost in 1996. Who's playing mm-hmm. Seaplane McDonough. His ability is to fly. His weakness is mosquitoes. Whoa. Also bad weakness in the jungle. That's oh, where we wow. get the only tie back to the old Jumanji. Uh, Alex, who has lost two of his three lives, which are indicated by uh, stripe marks that appear on their wrist. 
is hiding out in a treehouse made by Alan Parrish, who is the character that Robin Williams had played in the former one. So, they're all together. The only way to get out is to beat the game and take control of this thing called the Jaguar's Eye, which is your standard glowy MacGuffin. They're fighting the boss of the game, who's Russell Van Pelt, who's a corrupt explorer trying to get the power for himself. He can do some stuff to control animals because he has some power already. Um, So weird animal control stuff. And Hmm. really, it's just about learning to be comfortable in your skin and one minute reconnecting remaining. as a group and that's all interesting but it's really video gamey right so you've got cutscenes <laughs> they'll break into cutscenes <laughs> yeah oh nice npcs who have very scripted dialogue and can't really interact with you um and then they've got these ridiculous costumes they've got the lives if they lose all three lives they think they're going to die permanently and never get out uh so Try to get this MacGuffin, get the Jaguar's eye. You know, you've got people in the jungle who look like, you know, Indiana Jones movies. You've got marketplaces. You've got soldiers with guns. And you've got uh, people who are not used to it. Spencer's really moving them along because he's the gamer, so he sort of knows how games are played. When they die, uh, they respawn in the sky and fall to the ground. And everyone splats down except for The Rock, who does a three-point landing, and it's excellent. Um, <laughs> of course. So they're really trying to get out and having those conversations. And I can't emphasize enough how funny it is to see Black Jack Black be a teenage girl. Time's up. Right. Yeah. Woo. So that was all over. Wow. There's a lot of material in this one when you're pitching a bunch of characters and their alter egos. Uh, but fortunately... I for, think you did pretty well. Thank you. I, I, was, I was trying. You know, I like my video game movies. Uh, fortunately, you both have two more minutes to ask me questions and I will clarify. So we're gonna do the- uh, Who goes first? Well, uh, let's see. You're gonna do the character select screen and I gotta gotta think of who would be which character. So I know this is gonna be great on the podcast, but uh, both of you give me a smolder right now and I'm gonna judge best smolder goes first. Where's got pretty good smolders? It's a a vocal smolder. Andrew's doing more of a blue steel kind of silent smolder. Now he's doing eyebrows and uh, (laughs) I'm gonna give this one to Eric. I'm gonna say Eric. Eric smoldered. Mine was louder. (laughs) It was louder. And uh, full disclosure, it kind of looked like Davos Seaworth. So (laughs) I'm kind of tipping towards the Onion Knight for our Game of Thrones listeners. All right. Okay, well, then I will duck out, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you in a couple of minutes. All right, thanks. So if we can start the timer. Two-minute Q&A, begin. Okay, so you said Jack Black, uh, the Shelly doctor guy. Um, His weakness is endurance? Explain that. Yeah, so he's just overweight, and so he can't really run much. So it's uh, oh, okay. His low if he has endurance to exert himself, is... he might explode. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Um, the Rock. Um, I'm sorry if I'm using the actor names because I don't remember <laughs> the character names. Um, what sort of like weapons can I expect from this big brawny guy? So he can use any kind of weapon you can imagine. You know, from, from yeah. guns to explosives to karate. Ooh, explosives, karate. Yeah, good, whatever good. you want. And remember, um, the Mouse bad is guy. his caddy. Again? <laughs> the bad guy, Russell Van Pelt. Uh, he's just, like, he's okay. the villain. He's the boss of the film. So 
really sure, the sure, antagonist sure. and he can control all the animals and like bugs and stuff and it's really creepy okay gotcha um man this the i don't honestly have much uh how does the jungle play into this like is it where like everywhere you go you have some bug that's biting you or you have they do a a bit of that jaguar yeah sure but it's mostly ties into how the boss is controlling them so you've got the animals everywhere it is more video gamey than actual jungly right they're they're not acting as natural 30 seconds remaining gotcha 30 30 seconds seconds remaining um how about oh gosh i'm trying to think of video game tropes is there any warping oh no they they didn't do any warping in it no warping okay any save points uh no save points but they do kind of have levels that that are broken up by the cutscenes. okay gotcha so actual in-game levels not character levels yeah in-game levels okay that's interesting time's up oh there we go i'm excited I don't need anything else. I'm excited I, to see what you do. I, I I want you to just go out and do some fun video gamey stuff. Oh, it'll be video gamey. Excellent. So uh, I'll step out and I'll grab Andrew on my way. Come back. Oh, hey. How are you? Doing good. Yeah. It was it was pretty exciting Q and A there with Eric. Was it now? Yeah. He had some questions. Yeah. Get ready for some better ones. <laughs> All right. That's what I like to see. All right. Well, let's uh, kick off our next two minutes and get right into it. Two-minute Q&A, begin. Okay, so the first question I have is, how do the... How, how do, I want to know how these avatars work as, the, as compared to their humans. So, do these avatars act like the kids that are inhabiting them, or do they have kind of personalities unto their own? 100%. It's just the kids are wearing a different body, which is what okay. makes it so funny, especially with uh, Jack Black. Got it. So, Jack Black is acting like... Bethany, I think her name is. So he has yeah. like he's he's very petty or you know very superficial, thinking about his image and really amused that he has a penis. That's, that's, <laughs> that goes on no. so much. They talk about it all the time. There's a scene where he asks for help on how to actually pee with a penis. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's really funny. Okay, um, so I, 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 you said they have special abilities. Abilities? Do they have like like um, special moves, like attack moves? Yeah, I mean it's just like uh, you know, Karen Gillan, Ruby Roundhouse can do dance fighting, <laughs> so play some music and fight. It's just the kind of okay. stuff that you'd expect a video game character to be able to do. They just know how to do. Or Dr. Shelley, uh, Jack Black's character, can read maps, and he's the only one when they pull out the map that can actually read it. it looks blank to everyone else. So that oh, kind interesting. of thing. Yeah, it's just like Got different it. abilities. Do they have health? Or is it just the weaknesses? Just just the lives. Uh, so, you know, you, you could die from being shot. You could die from being exposed to your weaknesses. And then that, 30 seconds that remaining. bar on your wrist will go away, counting down from three to zero lives. Who plays the villain? Who plays the villain? Yeah. That is a good question. Uh, it is Bobby Cannavale. Okay, got it. All right. I just wanted to get more of an idea of who this vil- what this villain guy is like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's your favorite character? My favorite, it's Jack Black. It's totally the funniest thing in this movie. Okay, that's great. I'm glad. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm really Dr. glad that Shelley that works. Time's up. Oh, there it is. Ooh. That's that's the end. I, I think I haven't heard Eric's questions, but I'm assuming they're better. I assume that those questions were fantastic. I'm gonna take a page out of your book and be impartial here. Hey, so. <laughs> good man, good man. Inscrutable. 
You are. In the, the your face right now is just blank. Just, a wall. just no emotion. I have no idea whether or not you like my questions, but Perfect. I as a human being, I'm just going to project my own feelings onto your face and assume that I did great. We call so. that the Kuleshov effect. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I gotta go write this thing now, so I'm gonna buzz gone. off. He's getting to head off. So, alright. See ya. And we'll be right back with some stories after this. Hello, Sham Nation. We hope you're enjoying the show. While the guys are off writing, I wanted to get real with you in a way that only a recorded ad can get real. If you like our show, please hop on your favorite iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us get the word out there to more people. If you love the show and want to help us produce it, hop on coffee.com slash shamfiction. That's ko-fi.com slash shamfiction. And send us some money, love. If not, we won't tell anyone. Thanks for your support. If you want to get in touch with us, send us an email, contact at shamfiction.com, twitter.com slash shamfiction, Instagram is a shamfiction thing, I think it's instagram.com slash shamfiction, you get the idea, we want to hear from you. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the jungle, or from the jungle, because we're reading Welcome to the Jungle. So I'm not sure if we're currently in the jungle or if you were in the jungle and you brought stories back. Regardless, I see two writers here who have written something that they are about to share with you. Andrew and Eric, how you doing? Wait, I'm confused. Were we supposed to go to the actual jungle? Because I missed that memo. I'm sorry, I dropped the ball, guys. Were you at least in a tropical climb? Uh, kind of the opposite. Minnesota, middle of winter. Sorry. Mm. It's unfortunate. Andrew, did you make it to the jungle? Uh, I did. I uh, befriended <sighs> woodland creatures. Um, <laughs> I have only a few they scars. by your scampering? <laughs> I whistled and they came and they mauled me. Um, <laughs> Rookie mistake. <laughs> Their sign out, of friendship. Yeah, yeah. It turns out Disney movies, full of crap. <laughs> Oh, well, I see that you brought a few pages with you, so I assume that means you wrote a story. I did, I did. Show off. (laughs) Excellent. So I'm going to call to the birds and the bees and the trees and the leaves, and they say that Eric is actually going first because he looks less mauled. Maybe staying in Minnesota was the right move. No one has ever said that in the history of mankind, but this time it's true. So here I go. I'm going to do a Jumanji. Jumanji. There's going to there's gonna be some The Rock in this Jumanji. Ooh. And don't spoil it. <laughs> there are also going to be rocks in this Jumanji. <laughs> I like my rocks both human and mineral. Well, then you've come to the right place. Yes. Here we go. Jumanji, welcome to the jungle by me. Let's begin. With an earth-rumbling stomp. The goddess stepped off the plinth from which she had stood motionless only moments before, kicking off a huge plume of dust that made Martha cough. She approached slowly, looming over the four of them like an impenetrable wall of stone, rattling their insides with each percussive step. Her visage was cracked and crumbling in places, overgrown with ancient vines and moss. It was obvious to Martha that this thing had been slumbering there in front of the temple for a long, long time. 
but now she was awake, and despite her motionless, stone-carved face, she looked pissed off. <laughs> can, can we just run past her? She looks slow, asked Fridge, <laughs> his voice surprisingly squeaky, coming from the body of Mouse Finbar. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I can't run fast, shrieked Bethany with the voice of the middle-aged Dr. Oberon. Will someone try it? Martha shouted, still not accustomed to the sultry smooth tone of Ruby's voice coming from her lips. I'll do it. I'm super fast and strong, answered Spencer, who was taking obvious pleasure in being the beefiest member of the team. He crouched into a tiger-like stance, his thick muscles rippling in joyful vigor. After the briefest of smirks aimed at Martha... Dr. Smolder Bravestone exploded forward like a spring, sprinting towards the left side of the behemoth statue, curving towards the entrance to the temple with superhuman speed. If anyone was going to be able to get past the living statue, it was him. With a lazy swipe, the goddess's fist connected with the large <laughs> man, swatting him back like an insect and sending him flying into the jungle fifty feet behind them. <laughs> That's so lame. Said <laughs> Getting into the water temple wasn't going to be as simple as they <laughs> hoped. Okay, said Martha, stealing herself. If Bravestone can't fight her, then none of us can either. This is a video game, right? So this is a boss. There has to be a weakness. There's always a weakness. The ground shook as the goddess stomped ever closer, raising her right hand in a fist, ready to stomp them into digital mush. Big guns? Offered Mouse slash Fridge. It's a giant rock, Martha countered. Really big guns? He <laughs> shot back. For real? Shouted Oberon. Why are we talking about this? Let's just go. We're only trying to get into that stupid temple because Alex, you know, that smelly homeless dude we just met, went in there. And the only reason he got in is because he can fly. I am so not in the mood to die for some flying hobo right now. I'm out. <laughs> and with that, Oberon turned on his heel and stalked back for the jungle, nearly getting bowled over by Bravestone, who was bounding back into the clearing with an armful of some sort of red and white fungus. Watch out, Spencer! yelled Oberon as he stepped aside, putting his hand to his chest to catch his breath. Mushrooms! shouted Bravestone, <laughs> ignoring Oberon completely as he stepped forward. I found them in the jungle. Power-ups! Everybody eat one! <laughs> He had four of them in total, each oversized red bell covered in a series of white dots. Huh? Did that thing knock your brain loose, Spence? Said Mouse. I ain't eating that. Basic video game mechanics, insisted Bravestone. Whenever you face a boss, you'll find the most useful items you need to beat that boss nearby. <laughs> and these are obviously power-up mushrooms. We can't fight that thing as we are, but they these will make us big enough to do some damage. But mushrooms? Asked Oberon with a scowl. Gross. No, <laughs> come on, guys. Bravestone looked towards Martha. At least you and me. Ruby and Bravestone are the fighters. He tossed one to her, and she caught it. This is just a mushroom, dude, she said <laughs> as she looked it up and down. It was so bright and colorful. Somewhere in the back of her mind, she remembered something about not eating bright, colorful things in the jungle, and especially not when they're mushrooms. <laughs> no, it's a video game mushroom, a power-up, I'll show you. 
Bravestone threw one of the red caps in his mouth and chewed vigorously, a determined and ridiculous smile on his face as he looked up at the statue bearing down on them. He threw the other two mushrooms to the ground and ran at the goddess once again, stopping just a few yards from it as he swallowed the large mouthful. He raised one fist into the air, feet spread wide in a powerful stance, and waited. Nothing happened. <laughs> Come on! shouted Bravestone. The giant statue stopped its approach and looked down at him for a long moment, head cocked to the side as if confused. Then, with a heaving wretch, Bravestone doubled over and threw up on the ground. <laughs> Idiot, said Martha under her breath. I'm okay, Bravestone shouted back towards them as he wiped his mouth. Then, the goddess's fist came down like a meteor and crushed Bravestone into the dirt with an earthquaking <laughs> boom. They all stumbled from the shock, and Oberon fell onto his bottom. Oh, that's so gnarly, he said from the dirt, <laughs> adjusting his glasses as he stared at the giant fist. Martha looked back down at the mushroom she still held, then tossed it away in disgust. When the statue's fist lifted again, there was no sign of Bravestone at all. I think we all saw that one coming, said Mouse. <laughs> Then, a musical chime filled the air above their heads, and Dr. Smolder Bravestone dropped out of the sky, striking a three-point landing as he gracefully struck the ground. <laughs> His left forearm bore just one tattoo-like stripe now. He had just lost his second life. Okay, new plan, he said as he stood up and stared out at the statue once again. We run away. The three of them nodded and made to head back into the jungle behind them, but a loud bang drew their attention back towards the temple. Another deep, cracking noise followed, and the right side of the goddess statue's face crumbled and slid right off, falling and slamming into the ground at its massive feet in an explosion of pebbles and dust. Oh my god, is that the flying hobo? said Oberon, <laughs> pointed at the sky. Martha craned her neck and blocked the sun with her hand. Sure enough, floating a few yards above the statue's crumbling head was Alex Reek, he was holding some sort of tablet, like a thick slab of gold, but it was difficult to tell from a distance. "'What did I say about following me?' he shouted to them as the goddess's left arm fell off completely and smashed to pieces on the ground. Oberon yelped and took several steps back to avoid being struck by a tumbling finger. Reek floated down towards them and landed gingerly, holding up the tablet for them to see as the statue broke down into more and more pieces behind him. The tablet was rectangular, with a large cross-shaped protrusion at one end, two large round protrusions on the other, and a pair of smaller extruded ellipses in the center. It took a moment to register, but Martha realized it was an oversized, old-school video game controller. <laughs> Yo, of course we followed you! said Mouse. You're the only only real person in this whole stupid jungle, and you fly off to this temple rambling about cheat codes? What were we supposed to do? Not follow me, Reek insisted, and <laughs> definitely not try to fight the boss without cheats. This temple is way beyond your level. Wait, Martha said, stepping forward and plucking the golden controller out of Reek's hands. This was in the temple? Yeah, it's an Easter egg. He replied, speed run bonus. Beat the temple in less than five minutes and you can access the cheats. You beat the, that temple in the time it took us to fight this thing? Bravestone said, gesturing towards the rubble pile that used to be the goddess statue. Alex nodded and said, yeah, so what? How many times have you beat this level? Asked Martha. A few. 
Martha and Bravestone shared a look. Okay, new plan, said Bravestone, as he patted Reek on the back and gave him a wide smile. You're going to tell us how many cheat codes you know. Oh my god, please tell me there's a code for some Froyo, said Oberon. <laughs> Everyone silently turned to regard him. I could seriously use some Midnight Mango right now. <laughs> the end. Ah, uh, good. Good. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the jungle. Rocks and rocks. That was fun in games. It yeah. was. Thank you. I enjoyed. So let's hear Mr. Niels and tell me why I shouldn't have enjoyed that one in comparison. Oh, yeah. This one's gonna rock ya. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Got the finger guns out, people. Ooh, that's how, I know. That's how you know I mean business. Yeah. All, All right. right. Here we go. This is Andrew Neal's sham fiction of Jumanji. <laughs> the official title of the film. Yep. <laughs> now it is. <laughs> the E is silent. All right. Here we go. With a heavy grunt, Spencer lifted himself onto the ancient stone platform. Even in the impressive body of Dr. Smolder Bravestone, climbing to the top of a massive temple chamber after disposing of ten armed bad guys, where's Anya? He felt sweat trickling down his meaty, shaved head. Before him on the platform, a crystal of about his height twinkled radiantly. A thin shaft of light was hitting it just right. Spencer stepped over the bloodless corpse of a fallen mercenary to stand by the crystal, Although an evil game bent on destroying the lives of whomever played it, Jumanji remained strictly D14. <laughs> Spencer turned to face the rest of the chamber, which was cylindrical in shape. He stood on the highest of four platforms. Martha was just below him to the right, followed by Fridge on the second platform just across from him, and then Bethany on the lowest to the left. Each had a crystal identical to his beside them, perfectly placed light shaft and all. At the center of the chamber, on the main floor below them, glistened the largest crystal, lit by a central skylight. This was definitely the most stunning room in the temple so far. Hurry it up, Bravestone! Fridge yelled. (laughs) It came out as more of a squeak through the mouth of Mouse Finbar. (laughs) These dudes gonna respond soon! Chill, Finbar! Spencer shouted back. He meant to say fridge, which would have sounded much cooler. Get it? Chill fridge? You get it. Unfortunately, Jumanji autocorrected their speech to say their avatars' names. Uh-huh. Here goes, Spencer said. He removed his pistol from its holster and fired a single shot at the central crystal. This triggered a deep, disembodied tune, which echoed throughout the chamber, rattling the temple's ancient foundation. All four adventurers covered their ears to block out the deafening sound. It ended after just four notes, but the power of the tune lingered. Ugh, uh, Bethany (laughs) groaned in the voice of Professor Shelley Oberon. That was awful. This flabby body is still shaking. Don't do that again. (laughs) Bravestone's body was anything but flabby, and Spencer still felt the vibrations too. It wasn't helping his soreness and exhaustion. He tried to focus on the situation. It was a musical puzzle, that was obvious, but it also sucked. Spencer just (laughs) didn't have the ear for this type of thing. On top of that, the notes were so deafening, he'd hardly been able to make them out. 
Martha spoke up. Hey, Smolder, I... Just a second, Ruby, Spencer interrupted. I need to think about this. Martha nodded and looked away. Spencer went back to the puzzle. Okay, it's easy, he thought. Four notes played, and there are four smaller crystals. We just have to... I don't get it, Bethany said loudly, <laughs> followed by a frustrated sigh. Why do we have to do this? Spencer grimaced as Oberon's grating voice bounced around the echoey room. <laughs> we need to solve this puzzle to get to the next room. We don't even know where we're going in here, Bethany argued, looking over the map she held. This only shows the places we've been in. What good are you, map? She threw it on the ground. <laughs> it's fine, Spencer said. We're probably almost through. This is what he hoped, at least. He'd already had a lot He'd already had to do a lot, including retrieving a key from an alligator pit, navigating multiple <laughs> rooms with walls that shot poison darts, and pushing heavy blocks onto big switches without shaking hives of killer bees. <laughs> Through all of this, there had been way too much backtracking, Jumanji truly was an evil game, and three <laughs> extra unhelpful bodies. So what do we do? Bethany whined. Yeah, come on, Bravestone! Fridge urged, looking around nervously at the fallen mercenaries. You know, I... Martha began. Okay, okay, Spencer shouted, adding to the awful chorus of echoes. Shelly, hit your crystal. Bethany scoffed, but did as she was instructed, slapping the crystal beside her. A low, loud note rumbled through the chamber. They all reflexively covered their ears again to dampen the mighty sound. Okay, now Finbar... Spencer ordered. The face of Mouse Finbar grimaced. In a quick movement, he slapped his crystal and returned his hand to his ear. Another loud, low note shook the room. This one sounded of a slightly higher pitch to Spencer. Okay, Ruby, Spencer said, turning to the tall, red-headed avatar. Smolder, don't you think... Please, he urged. We gotta get out of here. She stared at him blankly for a moment, and then, with a roll of her eyes, flicked her crystal. Once again, a deafening note rung out, only this time it was loosening rocks from the temple walls. You know, Fridge began, if we keep doing this, this whole dang temple might collapse. Spencer just had to think. The notes definitely seemed to grow higher in pitch with each platform, but the tune wasn't just the notes in order from low to high. Was it? Spencer's gut tightened. He realized he didn't even remember how the tune went. Sorry guys, I need to hear it again. He raised his pistol. The rest of them shouted in protest as Spencer pulled the trigger. <laughs> the four awful, ear-splitting notes rang around the chamber, and stones began falling from the ceiling. Fridge and Martha each had to dive away to avoid getting smashed. Through the chaos, Spencer tried to focus on the tune. Okay, low, high, high again, then low. That last one was definitely low, he thought. Right? Dust hung in the air as the vibrations faded. He could hardly make out the others. All right, gang, I got it, he said, feigning confidence. Finbar, I think your note is first. For a moment, he heard nothing in response. Then, the dust finally cleared, revealing three furious faces. You think? Fridge challenged. You think? All you're thinking, gonna get us killed! <laughs> I said I got it this time, Spencer lied. Just hit your crystal. Then Bethany butted in. Why do you even need us? 
You have a gun. You can just shoot them yourself. <laughs> Shelly! Fridge and Martha shouted in unison. Why didn't I think of that? Spencer thought. Man, I'm tired. He really was. Even with Bravestone's thick, muscular arms, lifting the pistol took effort this time. He fired at Fridge's crystal. As the low, thundering note began to vibrate his platform, he turned to the next crystal, Martha's. But he didn't have a clear shot. The form of Ruby Roundhouse stood in the way. Move! Spencer shouted over the din. No! Martha shouted back, holding her ground despite the shaking floor and falling debris. You don't know what you're doing! So what? Somebody has to do something. None of you want to do anything. Because you won't let us! Martha casually sidestepped to avoid a falling rock. The darts? The bees? We could have helped. How? I could see a safe way through the dart rooms, Bethany called as she cowered from the debris. I think it has to do with my map powers or whatever. <laughs> then Fridge perked up. And I have bee repellent in my backpack. Ah! He dove out of the way of a huge falling block. <laughs> the vibrations started to soften, and Spencer suddenly felt like an idiot. He lowered his gun. I didn't think you all were into video games. Ugh, Bethany groaned. We're not. <laughs> but we kind of don't have a choice, Fridge added, followed by, Oh, that ain't good. The bodies of mercenaries were beginning to fade, which meant they'd respawn in a minute. <laughs> Tired and defeated, Spencer turned to Martha. How was I supposed to know? Ask, she, asked, she said <laughs> flatly. There was a lot of anger and annoyance in that one word, but it brought Spencer huge relief. Okay, he said. What do we do? Well, Martha began, because I have dumb musical powers, I can hear those horrible <laughs> notes just fine. The order goes Shelly, me, Smolder, Mouse. Let's do it quick and get the hell out of here. Got it? The rest nodded. Okay, go. They did as Martha said, and of course, it worked. The giant center crystal started to glow with its own ghostly internal light, and a stairway appeared beside it. They all managed to get to the stairs and out of the room just as the mercenaries respawned and the ceiling collapsed, killing them all over again. Out of danger, the four of them caught their breath. They were now facing a long, vine-covered hallway. What do you think? Martha asked. More darts? They all chuckled through heavy breaths. Then a sinister growl rumbled from the other end of the hall, ending their chuckles. Out of the shadows, a tiger slinked into view. It was five times normal size. Oh no, Spencer said. It's the boss battle. The monstrous <laughs> tiger roared with a power matching the notes in the previous room. You guys? Fridge murmured. I don't think I got a repellent for this. <laughs> the end. Okay. Good, good, good. good. Fun. All right. Well, while I retreat to my own mind jungle to decide <laughs> which one I'm going to award, why don't you guys tell me a little bit about the process? I want to know what what was the what was the struggle? How did you how did you get through the jungle? Do you have one of them machetes for, for Machete? jungling? Machete. Yeah, uh, one of those. Well, well, I can I can begin. Take it Give, away. Uh, Mr. Neil a chance to catch his breath. Oh, thank you. Uh, so mine took two attempts. First time I went through this, it was... 
I was struggling with the fact that we have these four main characters, plus I realized I didn't ask any questions or enough questions about Alex Reek. Had no idea what he was doing there. And I'm just like, we have like these five people who are trying to get out of Jumanji. How do they relate? What's going on? But also, we got to try to make it as video gamey as possible. So I was like brainstorming all these ideas where we have like something that's happening near the climax of the game where they have to make it to like the final boss battle. But in order to get there, they need an item that they failed to get earlier in the video game. So they had to, there was like glitches and NPCs who were stuck <laughs> in loops. Like, way too much. Like, it, it would have been a fun uh, story, but it would have been like 3,000 words long. So I got frustrated, and I had to come back at it the next day. And then uh, it was actually really easy. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know what I did differently. I think I just uh, decided to do a smaller moment with less stakes. And that kind of just gave me some room to sort of play with these characters and have them play off each other and do something fun and a little video gamey. And uh, that's that. Yeah, that fits very well with the property. So... Lower stakes, you know, family, film. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be pure peril or too deep in the nerdery. Sure. Andrew, what was your struggle here? What was the hardest thing about taking this on? Yeah, um, I, you know, this this one wasn't too difficult. Uh, I wrote this one pretty quickly. I, I think the, maybe the struggle was in, uh, at first, trying to determine who's... Uh, viewpoint to go through um, because they're all such interesting characters I thought for a while about just doing something that was um, a little bit more less POV focused um, and just kind of hopping around from one to the next because I definitely wanted to include all of the major characters but then I remembered from the pitch that you said that this you know was a lot about them trying to get together as a group and it seemed that Spencer's character was especially like the leader and knew more about the video games. So I latched onto this idea of him trying to like carry the entire weight of the group without giving the rest of them a chance to do anything. And that's where I went with it. And from there it went really quickly and it all kind of fell into place. And I knew I wanted to do a Legend of Zelda like (laughs) puzzle. So I just kind of latched onto that and structured kind of it was fun because i had to come up with like my own room like it's like what is the puzzle for this room and uh i kept to a pretty simple one in order to keep it you know keep the explanation uh as Mm -hmm. little as possible so yeah that was a lot of fun that's awesome yeah i I, uh, appreciated the video gaminess of your story as well thank you so i think it is time we are past our final boss battle we have to give out points and high scores. So, first off, I'm just going to say, there's a lot of people on this leaderboard. <laughs> we have Chris McKenna, Eric Summers, Scott Rosenberg, Jeff Pinker, based on Jumanji by Chris Van Allsburg, and directed by Jake Kasdan. All of them get points for doing a very good Jumanji. Uh, <laughs> good Jumanji, guys. Good Jumanji. Good Jumanji. You Jumanji Bravo, well. fellas. <laughs> Some of the top Jumanjing I've ever seen. But you two gentlemen also Jumanged, and we have to determine who was the top Jumanger. And I'm going to go with 
Andrew Neal. Yay! Hey. Well, well, Jumanji. for you. Well, uh, Jumanged indeed. I am curious, before we go too much more into this, because I really want to discuss these stories in the process a bit more. What were your word counts? Where'd you wind up on this? Because I feel like Andrew's was a lot longer. <laughs> so, mine was just under 1,500. It was 1,498. Ooh. Ooh, wow. Mine was very close to that, actually. 1,434. Interesting. So, very close in time, but I did feel like Andrew's was longer. And maybe part of that is what I'm going to say was the reason for rewarding him more points in his Jumanjing, which was uh, I felt like it was more of a complete story. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really appreciated, Andrew, how you were able to go into each of the characters and have the ways that they can contribute to the puzzle be a key part of this. The thing with Ruby being able to hear clearly while everyone else like hears uh, noise or can't tell of the notes is exactly the sort of thing we see in this movie when they're using okay. their special abilities or like being able to see the path through. It's just you literally have a different sense if you have that skill as your character trait. Yeah, so, thank you. I'm glad that that stood out to you because that was definitely something that I wanted to hit on. Yeah, a lot, a lot of credit for that uh, and for just doing a very, very video gamey puzzle, which was interesting because Eric's story was actually closer to the level of video gameiness that we see other than uh, getting into cheat codes, which wasn't touched upon. Mm-hmm. But it, I think that the movie could have benefited more. I would have loved to see a temple in this, you know, like where you get a bunch of those little references at once and you get to play with more of the video game tropes. We didn't see as much of that in the actual film. I'm already disappointed because, of course, haven't seen it. This is a sham fiction. Haven't seen it. But I'm disappointed <laughs> now that there's no temple in this movie because I was really pleased when Eric started reading that he, too, <laughs> the temple in his. Yeah, the course. water temple, no less. Uh-huh. You gotta have a temple. Yeah. So let's, video let's, Game 101. Let's pull out a few of those references, Eric, for people who may not have that background. Oh, gosh. We had some uh, some Mario One Up mushrooms. The definitely classic the red mushrooms. And white. That's the big one. You have a, an NES controller wrought in gold to mm-hmm. be able to enter cheat codes. Um, it's Water good. Temple, like we said. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, I don't know. Nothing that you didn't cover, like as far as lives and uh, and everything goes. So the Water Temple is a notorious temple from the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. That was very, very difficult to solve. And also, since then, the water temple is always just the hardest temple in any like Zelda game, specifically. <laughs> and I think it's, it's funny that, Andrew, you and I, I think, have a, a shared history of playing and loving Zelda games. So it's yeah. fun that that came through. I really, really enjoyed that you were actually in the temple solving a puzzle and mentioning like the pushing heavy blocks onto buttons. Yeah. And of course. Yeah. Of course you did. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and like the uh, the pitfall sort of stuff, like the key in an alligator pit. Mm-hmm. That, that was great. Yep. Yep. No, I wanted to, to even make quick mention of some of those, you know, kind of famous types of puzzles that you run into in those dungeon like games like uh, like Legend of Zelda. I think that's what made yours, uh, your story, so much fun to listen to. Just, just getting these little, little Easter eggs. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> a little reward for us nerds. 
Well, and you know, uh, credit for including animals in mm. your story as well, right? Because our, our villain is an animal-based villain. Uh, controls controls the animals, so yeah. I appreciated that little touch tying it to the source material. I want to credit Eric for the you know characterization. I mean, your voice is one really helped bolster <laughs> it. I was struggling with that. I should have practiced mine more because as I was reading it, I was like, I should have done some more voice work to distinguish these because uh, yours you know was what? excellent. I was going to say the same thing about you, my friend. You! Excellent voices. You did a good job. Oh, you're too kind. You're too kind. But even even the voices aside with your story, I thought you did um, a stellar job of characterizing each of them. I especially liked the way that you characterized uh, Spencer slash Bravestone, because whereas I think they're sim- we've painted them slightly similarly in that they're, you know, gung-ho, they want to just get to the challenge and do it themselves. Yours was definitely more eager, you know? He, he had this, like, kind of, uh, you know, mine was, like, kind of tired and, you know, like, felt that he was the leader. And yours just was like, let's, let's do it, let's go! And I, and I really liked that characterization. Well, thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I like the nerd being excited to be in this big, beefy body. <laughs> that was a fun thing. Uh, so one of the things that I was curious about this was hard for me to pitch because we have four characters and then four alter egos and then a fifth character and alter ego and the villain all all this stuff going on Um, I was curious to see how you were going to tackle describing the characters right Mm -hmm. so is this referring to myself as my real person or as my persona in the game and likewise with the other people and you both handled that slightly differently do you want to talk about how you thought about that as a challenge going into it um so yeah andrew first of all um you did something really clever there where you mentioned that it auto-corrected them saying other characters names yeah that they had to say their character names which is awesome so um, you can you talk about that yeah, yeah. So I, from the very beginning, I knew I was going to have whoever's head we were in identify as their human counterpart and refer to the others as their human names because that's who they inherently are. They're just like wearing the skin of these characters. So that's how I always saw it. It's like this is the relationship between the humans, not necessarily the avatars. So I wanted to focus on that. But since they are avatars, I thought it would be really weird to just, like, call Shelly Bethany. Like, mm-hmm. that, that just seems strange to me. So that's how I came up with that. Oh, well, it, like, you know, the avatar is a skin on the characters. Their names, their character names will also kind of be a skin on top of their voices. That's really cool. That was very smart. Um, I struggled with that as well because it's like you want... You don't want to say Bethany mm-hmm. because then you forget the fact that it is a middle-aged man named Dr. Shelley Oberon. So it's like just from listening to the story, hearing the performance, if you hear Bethany, you're picturing Bethany, not Jack Black. Mm -hmm. And that's an issue with enjoying the, the, the performance. So... I wish I had thought of that. See, but thing that's the that thing. Did. I see. I would argue that when you started reading your story, I got a little excited because I thought, "Hey, he's doing he's doing the same thing that I'm gonna do," because that's exactly what you did, right? I mean, that's what I heard is that you were. So I sort of other than the autocorrect so, thing, like, like it I was have, the same thing. Uh, these sentences at the beginning of my story where I 
say their real human names and then I'm sure I, I make sure to mention that they are being spoken by their avatars. Mm-hmm. And then from then on, I'm just referring to their avatars. Oh, okay. Um, Maybe so, that was just it then. Okay. It so worked. It was kind of a cheat. Well, I thought it was clever. It was a good establishment of what's going on in the situation. And also, you know, we're dealing with this concept in under 1,500 words. That is a lot to introduce. So I think these, more than some of the other ones, you really have to rely on the fact that our listeners have already heard the pitch that I gave the two of you. That they're going to have that background going into this story. It's a good point. And that's 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 something that I've been thinking about more and more as as we've done these. Because uh, some of the feedback I've gotten from you guys on previous stories were that um, it kind of... To enjoy the story that I wrote, you sort of have to remember the pitch, so that it they haven't really stood on their own as much. So it is very difficult, but it's something I'm trying to do to establish everything you need to know mm-hmm. in the text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it was there in your story. Um, the, the 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 most trouble that I had with yours, Eric, was, and Marcus already mentioned it, is one, it didn't quite feel complete. It didn't feel like a self-contained thing. It felt like a, a chunk out of a larger whole. Mm-hmm. And then also, you there was lots of good characterization and good comedy and good video game gags. Those were the strengths of this piece. But the structure of it, I would say, would be a weakness of it overall. And also just in terms of, like, characters having a goal, I didn't necessarily know what it was other than them getting in the temple. And then the end of it kind of undermines everything that came before because the characters that we're focusing on end up being, like, inconsequential to everything overall. And that, while, again, it's a good... I think it was a good delivery for comedy. I didn't get much in terms of story and resolution. It didn't quite satisfy in those elements. All right, fair. Thank you. Would have been really interesting to see Alex's perspective uh, for this piece, like the journey that he was going on. And I think that's a character that they didn't really play with too much in the movie. Because when we see him in the film, he's been there forever. Uh, They do this kind of like maybe there's a time dilation thing. He doesn't really know how long he's been there. Okay. But you could have had so much fun in the movie uh, with him actually having... (laughs) like gone crazy for being there for so long with no one around you know barely right. better than solitary uh, i think that would have been hysterical yeah and, and my whole thing with him was i was just assuming he's just been like hanging out and of course and like playing this game over and over like yeah and, like going crazy because he can't finish it for whatever reason um and i'm really curious to see this movie now like mainly because i want to see what the deal is with that character i feel like i'm going to be disappointed though yeah, I mean, I think the, the version that you hinted at here was more interesting to me than what's in the film. Oh, uh, shucks. Although he does play into a little romance subplot, which neither of you featured romance in this story, which was an interesting decision. Ew. Like kissing and feelings? Gross. Yeah, some of that. I know. That's, it's strange considering... I, I think it was partially to do with that I've, had, I've written other shams this season that have been ro- more romantic sure. in nature. <gasps> I wanted to get away from something and, and focus more on the group and make it oh, all about the group. I hope Mouse Finbar and Dr. Shelley Oberon are making out at some point in this story. <laughs> the jock oh. 
and the hot girl. Unfortunately, no. Oh, yeah, I, I really wish they would have had Kevin Smith or Ke- not Kevin Smith. <laughs> Could have brought Kevin Smith in. Kevin Hart and uh, and Jack Black making out in this movie that would have been very good. Uh, all right, I gotta I gotta write this again. There is so much potential. Go back. Uh, well, so this movie, uh, by the way, we we've been recording this for a while because we recorded the pitch a while back. <laughs> we've come back now to actually do the readings. Uh, has continued to be like the number one movie at the box office yeah. for weeks and weeks and weeks. So Star Wars came and went and, you know, uh, surpassed it for a couple weeks, but Jumanji came back to number one and has really had staying power. So they're working on a third one now. I'm very curious yeah. to see where this franchise goes. Yay. Yeah, uh, this has where, been a where surprise would it hit. Go? It's, it's hard to say because obviously now you have a bunch of uh, contemporary stars who you have to bring back. So, do we bring the kids back? Do we keep it with just the stars and have a new batch of kids? CG do the stars come into the world? I think that's that's probably what I would go with. Is I'd bring the Jumanji characters from the video game and have them meet the kids in the new one. Sure. So sure. you heard it here first on Sham Fiction when that there turns out to be the actual plot of Jumanji Three. Oh boy. Oh man, sue them. Sue them. <laughs> <laughs> they can have it. They can have that yeah. idea that took two seconds to come up with, and they've definitely already thought of. <laughs> it's all yours, Jumanji writers. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Anything else you want to say on this one? I think this was a couple of really fun stories. I enjoyed this from both of you. Andrew Neal, excellent job. I'm glad you lost less than me. You wrote a better story. Congrats. Oh, thank you, sir. And as I said, I had I got a kick and a half out of yours as well. And was so pleased by all of the similarities. I think this is one of the more, in terms of just the fix, one of the more similar ones yeah, that we've yeah. had. I, I yeah. like that we both used pretty much the exact same sentence where it's like, Fridge's voice was a squeaky coming yeah. out of Mouse's you, mouth. Yep, yeah, when you good. said that, I was very pleased. <laughs> so yes, uh, good job, man. No, really fun. Thank you. All right. Well, if you at home want to check out Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. At the time of this recording, it is still in theaters. By the time you hear this, it should be on Blu-ray for sure. So check it out. Get a DVD, a Blu-ray, a stream, whatever you want to do. I don't know if it's going to be on an HBO, on a Netflix. You're in the future. I'm not. So you listen to this. You type it into your favorite Bing search engine, and you find out where you can buy it or rent it. And you have a great time watching Welcome to the Jungle. When did Microsoft start sponsoring us? Because that's the only reason anyone would ever bring up that. You guys don't Bing? I, I, I use Bing for everything. Uh, no more buzz. I can't even do it. Let's stop with the buzz marketing. <laughs> Let's stop right now. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you, as always, for listening. Remember, whether you're in real life or in a video game, you can't beat the dredge because they are pure energy. And we'll see you in two weeks on another exciting championship. Bye-bye. Good night, America. Sham Fiction is a Two Jackets production hosted by Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Original music by Reed Reimer. Head to shamfiction.com for the episode archive. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. Are you charged up? Did you just blow some coke up your own butt? Good. Now shut your rat holes and listen up, people!
Humanity has only one hope, and his name is Josh Futterman. You may know him as Future Man, but probably you don't know him as Future Man because that's just the lame screen name he uses on this one video game you've never heard of, so I guess you probably know him as Josh Futterman. Okay, I've said too much, and this is sort of awkward now. Whatever. Next week, the show is about Hulu's original series, Future Man. Now get me a bump of coke and 20 bendy straws. Pronto. This has been a Two Jackets production.